y'all. I'm geeked right now. I'm geeked. You see, I got the headphones on, but I don't know if you can tell whether or not, but these are PS5 headphones, and they happen to work for my podcast recording microphone as well. So this is this is amazing. It's it's a day. <laughs> um, I had a few different episode titles with topics that I wanted to speak to, uh, but I'm feeling more compelled to speak to some of my own experiences that I've had recently. Um, but for starters, today I made the investment. I bought the PS5. It's crazy how it happened, y'all. So a year ago, it was my birthday, actually, my birthday weekend. Um, my ex-girlfriend had sent me what was a PS5 box to my new place. And I got the PS5 box and I opened it up and there was nothing in there that was even close to a PS5. There were a bunch of like little things from our relationship. I don't know what the intention was behind it, but um, different things that were symbolic of our relationship. And then a journal that said, uh, and I, I use the journal too, cause I don't like wasting stuff. So I didn't waste paper, but the journal had on there, she wrote a little sticky notes on different things. And um, with this one, it was like, since you talk to yourself so much or you like talking about yourself so much, uh, why don't you write, I don't know, I don't remember what it was, but something implying uh, journaling and talking about myself so much. So it worked out, but uh, <laughs> success is the best revenge. Let's, let's just say that um, I don't feel an urge to hit her up and let her know like, hey, I got a PS5 for real and send her the box. Um, also I don't have any way of contacting her. Like if I wanted to find her, I'd have to jump through way too many hoops, but it was real nice. Like I had a moment where I was plugging it in and I just like kind of got a little bit emotional. And the reason being not that I could afford a PS5, I couldn't afford a PS5. Um, but just the reason being because of what it represents to me, um, it represented something that for so long, felt unattainable it felt like I didn't deserve it it felt like it was a luxury and here I am now <laughs> oh by the way using the headphones that I bought with it in order to record my podcast microphone so this is just further validation for me uh, about how important it is to take care of myself as well as how far I've come um, I've been I, I decided to not reach out to my therapist again at least right now until I can afford to pay him full price for his sessions. He's expensive, um, but he'd been working with me for the last three years. And I, I don't feel right if I continue to, um, you know, have him negotiate his rates so low for me. Um, and also, I'm able to implement a lot of what I've learned from therapy. And there have been so many validating experiences throughout the therapy sessions and I want to say from talking about my issue with my dad of not letting myself get excited about things and fear of disappointment as well as with my mom and just feeling like her emotional boyfriend that even over the last three years I would bring situations to my therapist that really validated that belief and something that I've realized is that the more time that I spend in therapy the more time that I spend looking up content and trying to undo all of the knots that have been created from me living in the way that I have in a way that was only congruent with these beliefs that no longer serve me, 
um, with these beliefs that no longer serve me, I'm finding that the detangling of the knot is going to be challenging my belief systems with behavior change. And I've had probably a dozen experiences over the last few days alone that served as reminders of me still acting out of the beliefs that I have uh, about my dad and about my mom. And so I've done all this healing, so to speak. I've done all this self-reflection, but the self-reflection really doesn't mean anything if you're not willing to put it into action. So um, with my dad, for instance, I've decided that I'm not going to get excited about things until after they happen. So that kind of explains my feeling about the PlayStation 5 and how when I got that and it wasn't the purchasing, it wasn't the fact that two people came in afterwards asking about buying a PS5 and I got the last one or someone on the phone calling in to see if they had one and deciding that they wanted one this day in this moment. Those weren't the validating moments for me that I got excited. It was when I was here and I was plugging it in and then it was just like, wow, I did this. That is, this is happening. This happened. And that's really been how I decided to move forward uh, based on that issue that I have. And then with my mom, what I notice is that it continues to come up, especially in my relationships and uh, the relationships that I potentially have, like in dating. Let me just call it what it is. Uh, the issue being that I find myself I use this pizza analogy so bear with me because after a certain point it just doesn't make sense so in various dating scenarios situationships relationships whatever you want to call them I find myself like looking for toppings and ingredients in a person because and this ties into my dad issue um you can't let me down if I come to you for pepperoni, if I come to you for cheese, if I come for you for crust, right? And you are unable to provide those things. So while I want for myself an entire pizza, what I'm going for is, oh, okay, I know that I'll be able to get this ingredient from this person until they decide to cut me off from the ingredient or until... I decide that I want more and it's like, ah, well, I've already set the expectation that this is all you're capable of providing. So I'm just going to continue to get various toppings and ingredients from various places rather than attempting to get an entire pizza. Because if I do invest that much into a person and I finally do say, hey, I want this, I want everything on my pizza and this is what the relationship becomes then I not only run the risk of not getting it, I run the risk of not realizing that I'm not getting it. Like maybe, you know, going into it and taking a few bites, you're like, oh man, this pizza's good. And then you realize, hold on, this pizza has mushrooms on it. I don't want any mushrooms. Ew, spit it out. Or I thought I was getting a meat lover's pizza and it's vegan. Like you telling me this is fake meat. Uh, I, this is what I mean by the analogy stretching too far. It's a big reach, but what it really symbolizes for me is that there is an inherent fear not of me asking for what I want but me getting what it is that I want because I've been in so many situations where I've been able to ask for what I want and I've gotten it but it's more of like I'm more intimidated to ask from a partner a potential partner something more than what 
the minimal expectation is because they can disappoint me and because I can be in a situation where I can get exactly what it is that I want. So there's not only this fear of failure, there's this fear of actually achieving and then being disappointed. And I mentioned this, um, I haven't mentioned this here, but uh, there was an experience I had with someone where um, if you've been listening long enough, you know that I have genital herpes and this was someone that I disclosed my herpes status to and they were okay with it. We hooked up and then went to bed, woke up, we hooked up again. And then probably like four hours later, this person was just like, uh, I don't want to do this because I'm scared of getting herpes. I don't want to get herpes. And it was more of a fall down because I was like riding a high. I was like, yay, this is great. This is going to be, uh, this is going to be fantastic in my mind because uh, this person did a lot for me in terms of what I was looking for that I hadn't had access to. So I unexpectedly got pizza. I was really thrilled about the pizza and I got a taste of it. I was eating slices off of it throughout the entirety of our uh, connection that we had. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, Courtney, you can't have no more pizza. And the excitement and the expectation that I created for myself was so high that when the rejection did finally come, I think that that probably hurt exponentially more than what it would have felt like if I were just rejected initially. So it was like there there was like a, a twisting, gut wrenching pain there um, emotionally, I would say. But, you know, you get your heart broken and you bounce back 10 times harder. If you do the right thing with that energy, um, you can go and mope about it, cry about it, or you can talk to somebody, process it, figure out the last time you felt that way, the first time you felt that way, understand the emotion and then decide how you want to feel and then do what you have to do in order to feel what you want to feel with that energy, because the intensity of an emotion, it, it has something with it, whether it's fear or excitement, right? You can take whatever the intensity of the emotion is that whether it's from fear or excitement and you can move forward with it. I mentioned this, uh, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn, and then forward response. And to me, it's taking the energy and consciously deciding what you want to do next and then go with that action. That course of action is what you're deciding to move forward with. So, Uh, I I give this background because I know that I tend to remain objective when I'm interviewing people or I try and keep my opinions out of things. And I uh, I save my personal experience for personal conversations. But I think that this is relevant here, especially if I want this to be really useful self-help, because maybe there's something in my experience that connects with you that you'll be able to implement for yourself and that'll make you a better person that'll make you um, get more in line with what it is that you want and the more I do this like the more I feel that there's a there's an alignment for what it is that I want by being thankful and expressing gratitude and really reflecting on what I have and it took me a while to realize like I, I know that I have um Keep in mind, there's a time skip between these podcast episodes here on self um, because I recorded in 2021, the first half of 2021. And then I decided to go full time into something positive for positive people and invited people over there and then decided to come back to this because a lot of the topics and conversations that I want to have weren't a fit 
on something positive for positive people. I can make them a fit, but I don't want to force uh, STIs into the conversation in order to get my point across or to make it be on brand. So uh, for this, it's I, me. It's, it's not sometimes we can feel. No, it's I and me. It's my experience that I am sharing with you all so that you can take whatever it is that you need from it and then apply it for yourselves. So um, going back to the point that I was making an attempt to make, I realized that all the work that I've been doing in therapy has been it's, it's like feel good work to me. Like you feel good about having your therapy session. You feel good when you get off the phone and then you might be drained a little bit. You may journal and you're like, wow, I realized this, but it doesn't really mean anything if you're not doing anything about it. Um, for me, I have a really big problem with people flaking on me. And I know that that stems from like when I was younger, I remember my mom being on the phone and mind you, my mom was pregnant with me at 17 years old. So uh, at times when I would want, I don't know, I guess I just wanted my identity validated as her son. Maybe I wanted a hug. Maybe I just wanted to be up under my mom. And I remember her being on the phone sometimes being like, get out of here. I'm on the phone and hearing overhearing some of those phone conversations. I think that what I learned was that there was more of a prioritization of a sexual relationship or a relationship that had that component to it than there was anything else, you know? Um, so in learning that, I think that I've come in contact with women who would more so prioritize like, and, and this all goes together. So bear with me as I try to explain it, uh, with women who prioritize the sexual relationships that they have with their partners, um, or just somebody, right? Whereas I would feel like, oh, this is my person to watch this show with. This is my person to go to the hot tub with. This is my person to go out to eat with. This is my person to do X thing with. And there's a lot of talk on the Internet, if you look for it, that it says like men and women can't be friends. And I, I agree and I don't agree with that. Um, typically, because I know historically, like I'm 34 now. But in my 20s, I think that I was mostly only friends with women because of the hope of potentially sleeping with them. Now, being older, I think I, I can see it a little more clearly in other people. Um, but that kind of holds true because and this is me talking about my experience. I think that it holds true because I think that I've tried to get not necessarily sex, but what comes with sex and what it could represent for me based on how I've processed, you know, what that is and what that means. Wow. I am not recording any of the video. All right. This looks like this is going to be audio only. I did everything but press record, <laughs> but I'm really making points here. So I'm going to just continue to drive it home. Um, what I mean is, so sex is representative. What does sex represent for me? Uh, I think that it represents connectedness. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine about this and they were like, well, what did you want from your mom that you couldn't get from your mom? And I was like, ah, sex ain't the right thing to say here. That's just not that's not it. But what it was was probably that sense of closeness, that sense of intimacy, that sense of connection. And I think that I invite uh, women to provide that thing to me 
that my mom didn't give me when I wanted it all the time, which was that sense of closeness and intimacy. So the way that I would ask would be in small ways would be, hey, do you want to go do this activity like the hot tub or the gym or come to a yoga class? Like I do these activities or come with me to uh, Comic-Con or this type of party or this just outing or even to a movie. So what I would do is make these small asks so that they were almost non-rejectable in a way. And if they were rejected, then what that would mean was like almost nothing in a sense, because it's like, oh, OK, well, I was still going to do this thing anyway. So it's no harm, no foul. Um, but if there was an acceptance to it, it was like, yes, I get this intimacy, this connection that I'm hoping for that I've really only been able to get through sex. And maybe I'm un, I'm afraid to ask for just sex. And this was something that um, my therapist and I talked about as well. He was like, well, if you got a need and you want to get that need met, why can't you just ask for what it is that you need? And trying to make sense of it, you know, I think that he put it a lot more simple, like so simple that it went over my head because I really have been doing all of this, like watching videos, reading articles, following people on social media to try and better understand um, how to get what it is that I want or understand myself to know what it is that I really want, that the simple way of putting that was just so far removed from me. And I think that having some experiences to pull from and have to like decide for myself, okay, well, how do I want to navigate these? What do I want to do about this? Like now having to think about this and decide what I want to do, uh, this really changes things for me because now that I know that my attempts to hang out are like really small asks that don't hurt, uh, too much if rejected, those things still pile up. Like while they may not hurt as bad in the moment, they still pile up. So I can get I can make one big ask, which let's say it's sex, like sex is the the connecting thing, the big connecting thing that I won't or have chosen not to ask for or I'm scared to ask for from a woman. So going to safer places and just asking for quality time uh, for intimacy expressed in that way is a lot less of a burden. It's a lot harder to say no to that, I guess. And and again, this is all stuff that that's processing for me. So I'm, it's, it's coming out pretty raw, like saying it out loud, um, especially here. <laughs> but again, this is how it works. Like this is how we process things. This is how we decide to move forward. This is how we change behavior. This is how we change thought patterns, habits, and beliefs. Like we got to implement shit. So I have, and I, this has always been a problem for me. I'll schedule a podcast recording with someone, for example, and I know that people tend to get flaky or fall off later. So I want to do it as soon as possible. Right. So I tell people all the time, Hey, how soon can you get on the call? How soon can we jump on the phone? How soon can you record? Because more often than not, what happens is, oh, let's do next week turns into, oh, I'm sick. Oh, I had this thing come up. Oh, no contact at all. Whereas right away it has to like if it gets done right away, it's great. But more often than not, it doesn't and it gets delayed and it gets pushed back. And I don't think that demonstrates the value of my time. I think that saying being so available 
and accessible and like such a yes person right then right now without anyone having to earn that yes I think makes people feel that they can more easily like turn me down in a way or decline me for things taking it back to um, my relationship with my mom like I think this was what highlighted it for me because she and I were having a uh, we talked we she's been like a little bit distant and my mom and I we basically grew up together so we have a connection to where we know when something's wrong with the other person so I finally got to talk to her she got to tell me a little bit about what was going on with her and then I decided to ask her about this specific thing and when I did she didn't really she didn't have anything for me and that was like a aha moment for me of like okay like you were able to give me your emotional dump and then when I just have a question about like something that you as my mother would probably have a lot more insight about there wasn't anything there and that hurt um and the pain of that was just like a reminder and I think it unraveled a lot of other things between having a couple of podcast guests canceled between having a call with someone and letting them know hey I'm gonna call you in two hours and for it being okay with them and then I called him and then he didn't call me back uh and then having um a, a friend like essentially reschedule a hangout and then come to find out that that hangout was rescheduled under the guise of like mental health stuff but then for them to tell me oh I had a really great conversation with a potential partner it was like reiterating that that sexual relationship takes precedence over the intimacy that um I believe that we had through our mutual interests and quality time that we spent together and what else? There, there's a few more, but I don't want to have to get too specific. I hope that these are vague enough for you to be able to see your own potential experience in this so that you can decide how you want to navigate it. Um, but for me, I spoke to some of my friends about it and um, some of what it really does boil down to is perhaps poor expectation setting. The quality of my yes seems really poor because I am so available. Now, mind you, I'm on everybody else's schedule. I run something positive for positive people. And with that, it's a lot of openness for me to create my own schedule outside of my part time work uh, at the universities that I work at. Like I give people, you know, a little bit of a window. Um, but if somebody reaches out and they're like, oh, my God, like I, I have this question da, da, da. I don't know if you'll reply. And I'm like, all right, can you talk now? It just happens to be a good time. Like, I think that the quality of that is poor. And I've transferred that into my relationships because or my connections, friendships, relationships um, and being seemingly so available is I think I mentioned this, like the more unavailable you are, the more attractive a person is. It's like the value of their time, their energy, their uh, resource. Shout out to Coach Greg Adams for meat, the time, the quality of your meat, money, energy, attention and time. The quality goes up, the less available it is to a quantity of people. Let me say it again. The quality of your money, energy, attention, time increases with how limited 
the availability of it is to a quantity of people, right? So what this looks like for me now is, unfortunately, I got to start saying no, even when I don't really care to say no, but I'm not going to like intentionally be an asshole about that, right? So what I want to, what my behavior change here is going to be is that I'm going to make more plans for myself. I'm planning to work from this time to this time. I'm going to be doing this thing from this time to this time. Um, I got friend time scheduled. I got calls with my family scheduled, like make these kinds of things more of a priority to fill that space and not be so malleable with it. Um, and I, I hate that I have to do this because I like being able to just be transparent about what my availability is. But for me now seeing that the quality of my yes goes up, the more I say no, I can't unsee that now because like, that's the reality and like playing around with that and practicing it, that it is what it is and that works. And people are more excited and enthusiastic about hanging out and getting together. And they more so appreciate that time. But I, I realized that, like, the reason that I've been, I don't want to say hurt. Yeah, that's what it is. Disappointed, had my feelings hurt, has been from allowing myself to feel this way by not, you know, not only increasing the quality of my yes of my me my money energy attention time but also because perhaps i'm not even being intentional in my ask you know i mentioned the pizza toppings or whatever like if i go to you and i ask you for less than what i actually want from you so being afraid of asking for a sexual relationship right because that's the quality of intimacy that i want if i'm asking for breadcrumbs little pizza crust here and there little little uh pepperoni or bacon on the side or a certain type of cheese or crust right uh, the sauce to be like this if i'm only asking for one ninth of what it is that i really want then how like i'm i'm settling in my i'm settling myself first off but i'm also devaluing what i allow myself to receive so therefore i won't even be able to enjoy or appreciate a pizza if the opportunity to eat pizza is right there in front of me because I won't know how to respond to it. I'll be like, oh no, this is this is too much. This is too much. I couldn't possibly ask for this. I couldn't possibly eat all that. And I will most likely consciously push that away, but I'll be like, ooh, look at that pepperoni over there. Ooh, damn, look at them, look at them cheese shreds. Yeah, girl, let me get some of them. Let me get some of that cheese shred. Because that's so much easier than to just be like, hey, I see you over there looking all looking all fresh, looking all hot and ready like a little Caesar's girl. Come over here. Get in my mouth. Right. That's a, <laughs> I bet that even sounds smooth, like saying out loud to somebody because of the, the, the confidence behind it, the energy behind it, the the certainty in my voice behind it. Right. Even when asking for breadcrumbs or less than what I really want, you'll be like, oh, hey, you want to. This is an over exaggeration. It's, hey, you want to come to the hot tub? Like, I'm asking you to come to the hot tub because I'm scared to ask you for a hookup or for actual intimacy or if I actually just need physical touch or contact or just quality time. Like, I'm not really asking for what I want. And I don't know how else I do that, but I'm using particularly sex and the platonic relationships that i have going back to the whole men and women can't be friends thing 
uh, that you'll probably see floating around on the internet. I'm, I'm really leaning towards agreeing with that. Uh, as objective again, as I try to be like leaning in towards that, because what is it that I get out of a platonic relationship with people? Right. So let's let's start there. Let's go as wide as platonic relationships. Um, I've had this come up in therapy as well. I don't like feeling used. However, I feel most used in my platonic relationships. I allow myself to be emotionally available, vulnerable um, and create that emotional safety and support for people through my business. So people get that infinitely. I've noticed that there have been people from there who trinkle into the friend category or like the acquaintance category and still take in that way without having to go through the um, the the business part of it without, you know, going through the donating process or uh, talking about spending any money or how much time's going into this or any types of boundaries and restrictions. And that's my fault because I allowed it to happen. And then I also notice um, that there are times where the the friendships like I will offer that emotional support and availability. And that kind of sets the standard for what the friendship is. And it's really that upfront intention setting and behavior that um, comes on at the beginning. That's what people latch on to. People will latch on to that and decide, oh, this is the nature of the relationship, the friendship. I get this money, energy, attention, time without there being any reciprocity. And so when I look at using people, it's been challenging for me to ask for sex because that feels like I'm using people. So, Hey, I want this thing from you. I don't want this thing with you. I want it from you. And it's like, it's, it's happening for me exclusively. So it feels a little bit bad for me to take in that way because it feels like using people, but I'm enabling people to use me in that sense too, without the reciprocity, without the exchange. I can't tell you how many people like come to me, get what they need. And then I don't hear from them again. Or if like, I would like to receive from them what I've given to them and they're nowhere to be found, or they're slow to respond to texts, or they're too busy or they can't handle it. And that's happened enough times for me to be able to point out the fact that it's a pattern and it's a pattern that I have trained people on being able to, um, I've trained people to accommodate for this pattern, so to speak. So it's like, oh, well, this is my relationship with Courtney. This is what it is. And I, I got to do that shit. <laughs> so I guess self season two is going to be more about um, the implementation of behavior change, pattern breaking and things like that more so than just a self-reflective piece and self-education because you can't get in this loophole of understanding or hearing people say this is what you need to do this is what you need to do this is what people are doing to you this is why people are doing it to you here's how they do it to you and then you'll look up six months from now and you still getting the same kind of outcomes that you've been trying to not get anymore um and the only thing that you got is some knowledge from some people from YouTube, some podcasts that you might have listened to. And I, I listen to a lot, you know, and I, I keep finding new people. Um, and as I quote them, I'll definitely be shouting them out. But um, 
yeah, I, I realize now that these little asks are a part of something called nice guy syndrome. Um, I read the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Robert Glover, not Donald Glover. That's Childish Gambino, Robert Glover. And um, that pattern, I read this book a couple of times over the last like 10, 11, yeah, 10-ish years, uh, probably eight. Eight years is more accurate because I, I remember I found it when I was living in Houston and I became single again. So um, the the nice guy syndrome of, you know, oh, well, I'm just going to only ask for this little thing here. And, you know, if they say no, oh, it's cool. No harm, no foul. But if they say, yeah, then, yay, I got the bare minimum. And I, I train myself. I've trained myself to ask for and accept the bare minimum. And how often do I do that with my, my nonprofit, my business, right? You know, even with the yoga classes that I was teaching, I was like, oh, 30 minutes for $5, you know, and I'd get one to three people who come and one of those people would always pay double too. And I really, really appreciate her for that because it, like without her saying it, she was like, Hey, Courtney, you're worth more than that. I value you significantly more than that what I get out of your yoga classes is significantly more than that and I didn't ask for that and so that kind of taught me that I am someone who is worthy of receiving I am capable of receiving and not only that but when I am giving so freely in the places the environments that I feel aligned to give it's reciprocated it's reciprocated and I think it's exaggerated. It's reciprocated and exaggerated when it's in the right place, when it's with the right people. So I want to change this behavior. And the way that I'm going to change this behavior is I am going to put more of things for Courtney in the calendar. I'm going to put in my in my calendar. I'm playing video games from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. I'm working from noon to 4 p.m. I'm going to be going to the gym from this time to that time. I started going to high yoga classes at the studio up the street. Um, I'm going to be blocking off time for that. You know, ain't no more like answering the phone every time somebody call like I and it's not going to be ingenuine. You know, obviously emergencies, those happen. But I, I got to stop making myself so accessible and available. And I think that that's why I'm not getting the outcomes that I want, because I do that. I minimize and reduce my expectations significantly, even though, you know, in 2021, I was saying, you know, I want everything. I was saying set your standards so that you don't have expectations. And I've like I've set my standards to this low level, like it's so low that almost anybody can break through it. And if anybody can break through it, then anyone can set me up to feel disappointed. <laughs> how how wild is that? The bar that I set is so low that I still end up disappointed and I'm enabling people to disappoint me. So I, while I've on one hand resolved my daddy issue <laughs> um, and resolved my mom issue, it's on me to implement the things that have to be done in order for me to really uh, get rid of that. Like I got to, I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop enabling myself to feel bad by allowing people to treat me the way that they do. And that's going to come with the realizations of some very uncomfortable realities that I live in. And, you know, I'll make like these real comments. It's so 
interesting interacting with people on the internet versus interacting with people in real life because people in real life are not the same as they are on the internet you know you'll make a statement on the internet and people will respond the way that they want for others to see that they responded but when you do that shit with a real person and you have a conversation with them of like you know uh, something that might be considered misogynistic or sexist or racist or uh whatever ism there is like they'll laugh and be like ah you're right like even the words, like the words themselves, misogynist, racist, sexist, the ones that are being thrown out there for making an accurate an objectively accurate, logical comment or generalization or observation. You can be called one of these words as a way of not continuing to engage in conversation about why what you said is accurate or why it's true. Right. But the word being thrown at you, the label just shuts down the argument, the disagreement, the conflict. And that's it. Like there's no engagement. But you do that in person and it's like, oh, OK, well, you can either get up and leave or we can engage in dialogue about this. And, you know, when people throw words at me like that, I'm like, well, what, what does that mean? What do you mean? Can you give me an example? Um, I had this conversation about privilege with someone and talking to them in person about it was so different than talking to other people on the Internet about it or reading on the Internet about it because you're able to engage, you're able to exchange experiences and knowledge. And I think that that's really how we grow as people. But we got to be willing to do that. <laughs> we got to be willing to have hard conversations. We got to be willing to challenge people. We have to be willing to engage in conflict um, because if we don't, we we, we stagnate, we begin to suffer, we begin to really struggle more than we actually need to. And so I'm, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to fight for, uh, I don't want to fight for the bare minimum. I heard this quote from uh, Mr. Lucario. I, I, I'll quote him. He said, uh, people give dogs bones. Dogs don't like bones dogs like meat and there's typically meat on the bones so it's like they settle for bones but they what they want is meat and that really hit home the context of it uh, I believe was in regard it was he's a dating coach so in regards to dating it's that people like what they like but they will settle and this was specifically about women I believe uh, like women <laughs> I know I'm butchering the shit out of this, but how women, uh, men think women like men with money, but they like men with substance, but will settle for a man who has money or a thing that they gravitate towards. But I think it was just money. So like the meat would be the equivalent to having substance, having things going on with your life and having a sense of purpose and like doing stuff for yourself and being a man of significance of importance of value rather than and and what they would do is you know if they can't get that then it'll just be all right well i'll settle for the bones the bones will be just finding a man with money plenty of men with money are out there you can get one of those but like that that really hit me because i mean that's what i'm doing shit i'm settling for the bones of just some fucking presence like some time like i the the bare minimum of experience to have just shared with somebody and this shit comes from a deeply rooted childhood issue 
and it's one that I'm consciously aware of as an adult. It's one that I've talked to my mother about. I've talked to my father about the one that I have with him, but there's not been any change. I haven't changed anything. So I know for myself that the changes that need to be made are as follows. For one, I'm filling my schedule up with more Courtney stuff. So there will be significantly more Courtney time. There will be more work time. Uh, for something positive for positive people dedicated to it like I can't just be on other people's schedule when they want to record podcasts podcast recordings will take place between x time and x time on x date if you can fit into that then we can make it happen if you can't then I we can't record like I'm gonna record a podcast at that time that day uh, but if you as a guest can't make that work then I, I can't do that like I had someone um asked me two years ago we recorded and he asked me recently to remove the episode and that he wanted to, said that he wanted to do it over and I just was like dude that's not I, I couldn't put my finger on it right away but to me that felt like another example yeah this was another one of those things that happened it just felt like uh, um, it was it felt very disrespectful to the the time to my meat like while you know money wise nothing was spent on the podcast episode uh, but energetically and attentiveness, my attention and my time again, shout out to coach Greg Adams, my money, energy, attention, time went into that. And for somebody to think that, you know, they can just hit me up like, Oh, you ain't doing shit. We're going to rerecord this episode like that takes, there's a lot that goes into that. And who's to say that even after this recording, this re-recording, which I don't do re-recordings, um, even after that, like you wouldn't be satisfied with that. And I've had experiences where I've gone and I've re-recorded with somebody three different times. So it goes from what should be about an hour and 15 minutes of time to record, interview, and then be done with it and then go on to edit it. Let's say it's an hour of editing per 15 minutes of episode. So each one's usually an hour. So that's four hours of editing. And then we also got the promotion, like writing the content around it, making the social media posts, creating the episode descriptions and distributing it. Like all of these things take energy. They take attention. They take time. And like, I got to be go, go, go. I have to continue to move forward. I can't keep backtracking for shit. I, I just can't like that's that's not I can't I cannot do that. And I may <laughs> I make mistakes. I know I do. And I backtrack and I fix those mistakes. But the the moving forward now, I can't unsee how the the dozens of times the now dozen times that I can recall just over the last week alone of just having my minimum standards just like <sighs> not respected. I don't want to say disrespected. I'm going to say not respected and um, not reciprocated. They weren't respected. They weren't reciprocated. And again, it's my fault because I trained people on how to treat me. So now I have to untrain them, hit a reset button. And not just, it's not just training people. It's training myself to be deliberate and intentional with my initial approach. So like, I ain't finna just like clean house with all my friends and everything like, Oh, that's it. Reset button. Now I'm only going to approach people that I want something from and I want a lot from them. So I'm going to make the biggest, most ridiculous fucking ask. I'm sure that's an exercise somewhere where you do that to get practice being told no. But uh, that's that's not what this is going to be. It's more about me saying more yeses to myself so that the yeses that include other people 
you know, when I, I'm not saying no to other people and those experiences, like I got this PS five. Now it's going to be hard to get me out this house. <laughs> I just dropped that $800. It's going to be hard to get me to leave this house. And when I'm here, like I'm going to be working. And then when I got my downtime, I'm not going to want to go out and go partying and spend money. Like I might go to karaoke. I just discovered that I really like karaoke bars. Uh, going out to eat that doesn't appeal to me as much anymore when I'm home I want to cook I'm, I like cooking I'm enjoying it I made my first New York strip sirloin yesterday uh, and it was a pound ish and I, I realized like a pound of steak is a lot so I was very proud of myself for only eating half of that thing I made me an air fried sweet potato and I made like this this some type of power greens salad or some shit like I'm fucking I'm doing it like I'm I'm out here in the house I'm, I'm out here in the house and um yeah i'm just that's i i have to implement these things therapy has been super useful therapy has been helpful therapy's taught me a lot therapy got me through the pandemic therapy has me with my sanity and i, I give my therapist credit for that and i want to go back when i can pay this man what he's worth and i'm gonna get there because the way that I'm talking about navigating my relationships with people, it's the same shit that I do in business. I don't ask for what I'm worth. I don't ask for big donations. I don't ask people to um, to, to pay me a lot of money for these speaking engagements. I hit them with that. Oh, well, it's a nonprofit. So whatever you can donate. And <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's true. You know, once you had these realizations, you can't do nothing but laugh. You got to laugh to keep yourself from crying sometimes. But the reality is that behavior changes are necessary. Like it's not I, I cannot afford now at 34 years old to be just uh, to settle for less. And then I even uh, I, I'm saying this out loud to hold myself accountable. We go back to the meat analogy, money and or uh, meat acronym, money, energy, attention, time. I'm putting all of these things into getting the bare minimum ask of other people. And sometimes it's a no. And then the few times it's a yes, like I'm still losing. I'm still losing. If I go forward and I put like I put my meat into something positive for positive people. Wow, that sounds terrible. I put my money, energy, attention and time into something positive for positive people. Last year, full time, I raised thirty thousand five hundred dollars, thirty thousand five hundred dollars this year. Uh, starting out, I just got a check from one of my uh, board members, Dr. Evelyn Molina Dacker. I'm so grateful to her for um, making this donation. And I I hate that it's under the circumstances that it's under, but um, her mother passed away and her family has this, um, they have this, it's called the Love in Action Fund. And this is money that has been going out to various nonprofits that they support and believe in. And she made a donation of $50,000. And this is the second and a half week of January. And I didn't already crush last year's fundraising um the, the money that we raised last year and it, it feels so fucking good to just know that I am supported in that way and this feels so validating like I never I don't think yeah I haven't asked her for anything it just happened like I asked her to be on my board which to me I felt like that was a huge ask like asking the people who sit on my board to be board members for me I felt like that was a big ask and I'm getting different you know things from different people and different uh, responses and 
uh, responses to different things. Like I, I'm, I'm very, very supported, but I also, I have to continue like even more to, um, understand the value of putting my M E A T money, energy, attention, time into something positive because all I decided to commit to that full time. And that's a big fucking deal. I still don't pay myself from the nonprofit organization, but like now all of this money's coming in, all of these opportunities are coming in and I need to be able to invest that in my relationships the same way because I'm probably downplaying in something positive in my business. Um, I'm probably downplaying myself even in that space. Whereas it needs to be the other way around, <laughs> you know, I'm doing all this big stuff in the organization, but when it comes to uh, my personal life and relationships, I'm not. So I, I gotta, I gotta make these changes and it's, it's, it's serious. This is my passion. This is what I'm here for. If it's my purpose, then I need to treat it as such. And I got to do this everywhere, everywhere. So all that said, like, I, I don't know what you need to hear from this or what you need to get out of this, but um, I had the potato is still a potato episode that seems very similar to what this title is going to be. You know, uh, are you asking for pizza? Or are you asking for pizza ingredients? And that that this just goes to your raising of your standards so that, you know, understand the, the rejection it's still rejection. Even if it's a bunch of little rejections, even the acceptance of a small ask is a form of rejection. It's a form of self rejection. And the reason that I say that a little ask being accepted as a form of self rejection is because you still are missing out on getting the thing that you want and settling for something significantly less than that. And that's what I've been doing. So now that I realize that, now that I see that I'm, it's going to be some uncomfortable conversations with people. <laughs> And, but more importantly, like it's going to increase the value of my yes. But I know that I have to practice. Uh, I got to practice utilizing my nose in order to increase the value of my yes. So there we have it. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of Self. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast. If you found anything valuable from it, like let me know. Reach out to me. You can message me. You can post and tag me in the story. I'm Courtney Brame underscore on social media. That's C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-B-R-A-M-E underscore. Um, yeah, tag me. Tag me in whatever it is that you post. Leave that review, please. Um and yeah, there was one more thing. Oh, journal prompt. So the journal prompt here was um, for me to have gotten to this point was just simply, you know, why am I getting these outcomes? Like, why, why is it so easy for people to bail on me? Why is it so easy for people to flake on me? You know, and this is just something that I'm experiencing. Um, what is it that I want that I'm not getting? These were the types of questions that I asked and that came up throughout the process. So I invite you to utilize these journal prompts and I invite you to change your behavior as well. I hope this helps. Um, thank you.